As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Would you like to reach hundreds of thousands of Athletic subscribers? (laughs) Who wouldn't? Our lot are great. They're intelligent. They have demonstrably long attention spans for all of those long reads. And that means they're almost certainly the ABC ones you're looking for. Imagine your brand front and centre on the Totally Football Show, or Talk of the Devils, or Football Clichés. You can advertise with us now. Our highly skilled and effortlessly charming commercial team are waiting to hear from you, whether you want a single ad on View from the Lane or full title sponsorship on our Women's World Cup show. We've got something for everyone. Contact partnerships at theathletic.com. That's partnerships at theathletic.com. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the TIFO Football Podcast. I'm Joe Devine and I'm delighted to be joined today by JJ Ball the Bullet. You start this whole thing again? Yeah, just because the last one, it'd be easier for them to do. They can just cut the whole thing and they can yeah. start with this one. Okay. Jonathan Dog McKenzie. Hello. That's right. Now listen, we spoke about so many things today, didn't we? So many things. Things such as Man City Arsenal and the FA Cup. Mmm, psychology. And the production of a win. What about Wrexham? Yeah, they played a good game at the weekend too. And we talk about football manager. Obviously, Sean Dyche is the new manager of Everton. So we scale the heights of Dyche. And uh, some Serie A, because Milan are in crisis. So uh, we uh, discussed them. Also, transfers and potatoes. That's right. And things we cut out included why you can't kill and eat your pets. Yeah. There was a lot of that, wasn't How there? How to pronounce the word negotiation. Exactly. Yeah. And if you want to learn things such as why you can't kill and eat your pets, or, or, or how to pronounce words properly. Get the athletic at theathletic.com forward slash TIFO. Theathletic.com forward slash TIFO for comprehensive lists of which pets you can <laughs> kill and eat. <laughs> No, no, but they got good. They got really top-level football analysis. Very impressive stuff. That's theathletic.com forward slash TIFO. (sighs) But for now... (laughs) Because the the stuff we missed out is like, you couldn't keep a salmon in your bath. But if you did, it'd be fine to eat it, but... (laughs) 
I'll leave you. <coughs> I'll leave you in the warm hands and the cool embrace. The salmon in JJ's bath. <laughs> salmon. <laughs> well, where else to begin? course than with the FA Cup. John, did you know that the FA Cup has so much history that you can't even talk about all of it because there's so much and it's dripping with poignancy? I believe so, yes. It's yeah. often said. Do you care about the past, JJ? Or the future? Yes, all. Well, as we know, the future and the past and the present are all one. Yes. And it depends on much like the flat circle them. you're wearing on your jumper today. Well, that's a compact disc, Joe. A, C- a CD top you've got. Yes, yeah. so something that was very popular in the 90s. That was your, that's your um, a tribute act to ZZ Top, isn't it? It's called CD Top, and you dress up in CDs. No, but I would... I mean, I like ZZ Top a lot. They're really good. Yeah. Do you know that the only member of ZZ Top without a beard is called Frank Beard? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. Did you know that Arsenal may well have suffered a psychological defeat at the hands of Manchester City as well as a real defeat? One to nil Arsenal, of course, yes. in the FA Cup on Friday. A goal from Nathan Ake, assisted by Jack Grealish. A lovely goal by Ake. He's lovely, well taken, finished. Yeah. Slotted it into the only little bit. It's like he's playing one of those uh, games where you have to find the exact part Right. Of the goal to put it in. Nice, nice. Wrong like footed as well. Yeah, was it wrong footed? Mm. Yeah, it was right foot, yeah. But then the thing with this game, I think it's been talked a lot, a lot by other people, but um, it is relevant in that uh, Guardiola is obviously not very happy what's going on with his team just now. So he's put out whether these are the players he trusts the most or it's um, mm. a wake up to other players to try and get them in, uh, to get them ready to play in the future games going forward. He put out a fully like full strength team fully think. stocked yeah that's that's a team apart from Ortega and goal um, I mean Rico Lewis counts as a full strength right yeah. back now he's can I say though yes. this is, I remember when I looked at the lineups for this game and I thought the same thing oh Man City first team Arsenal have, have rotated four or five options here but it's quite hard to say what Man City's first team is because they're all sort of first team players he does it on purpose they? yeah because that's the thing he he buys really good players and you'll see Arsenal doing it now they're linked with loads of players like Caicedo and uh, Declan Rice and that we'll, we'll talk about it at some point mm. but the idea is not that they then just go into that first team slot so you have a bigger squad with amazing players and then to keep them happy you have to rotate that's why Man City players if you look on if you go on who scored, for example, and look how many games they play a season, it tends to be that players like Phil Foden or Riyad Mahrez or whoever, they start about 21, 22 games mm. in the league. And then they'll sit on the bench for a lot more, maybe come off sometimes. They'll play some Champions League games, but not all of them. And so like Guardiola's talked about it. It's to do with squad management. To keep them all happy, you've got to have loads of high-level players to be the best team possible. But you need to make sure that they are both match fit and happy playing. And it gives you more of a team... It makes a squad more of a team than just the team being a team, so it's useful for that. Yeah, well, arguably, like oh, Guardiola's biggest strength as a coach is being able to have all of those players yeah. and manage them all at the same time. Keep them all happy. Because I think most other coaches would have to have a starting it's 11. In, it's an interesting new time, though, isn't it, whereby in the past we would often have conversations about strong personalities and excellent players on the bench wanting to start every game. You may well think that actually the, the, big, the best professionals in the game now 
might be quite happy to start 22 games and, and rest their body and not But that's just the league. They play so many competitions. You've got the FA Cup yeah. now. They're playing that. Like City expect to get to the final of every competition. Yeah. Um, not League Cup this year, but they've basically won it every single time, apart from last season as well. So that is, oh, I had a really good point there. Oh, what was it? Such a shame. I wonder what it was. No, no, no. Oh, I know what it was. It's to do with Sir Alex Ferguson. And like Guardiola, mm. obviously, what, you know, he takes a lot of inspiration from other managers. And one of them is how Alex Ferguson managed to uh, keep Manchester United at the top. And yeah. uh, United would rotate their team always. That one player would, that one team would start, and the next game it would be someone different. Just one yeah. player might change from time to time, and yeah. it's always and it's to encourage to keep players fit, but also to make sure standards don't drop. And then, like you know, like the team you think about, um, you'd have like uh, Cole, York, and Giggs, then Beckham, and like, all the big mm. boys like, playing at one time. That that like dream lineup. I think Duncan Alexander had this stat once um, from Opta. Well, he now works with us at the Athletic. Mm-hmm. Uh, he talked about how like the actual eleven is only played together like once, right. <laughs> yeah. and it's actually just a mixture of all the other players like Blankvist and then Stam and all these guys would yeah. drop in and out. Well, you think the heroes of uh, of the '99 Champions League final were Sheringham and Solskjaer, who were theoretically the backup strikers. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And then you keep them like useful. Like Solskjaer, very useful as a sub coming on a lot. Like Foden, they called him a, a lot of super. Subs. A super sub, so. the baby-faced assassin they used to call him. Mm, yes. But yeah. I think it's interesting as well because so many people like to rag on Guardiola for um, having a really, really strict system and, and sometimes at the expense of creativity, apparently. Yeah. But I think one of the things that you do get from that kind of approach is that no one is bigger than the system and so you can start rotating players a lot more easily. And, uh, you know, I think that the, the beauty of the, of the Guardiola system is that you can have everyone able to play in that system tweak things up and have that flexibility within the system as well so I think yeah. health these players as well like bringing through people like Lewis and mm. um, Foden and then maybe next season they might have like Doyle and McAtee boys at Sheffield United also in the FA Cup uh, they can come through and just play in a team that they know how to play because they're taught the, the principles of that system young mm. you think like the Ajax Barcelona Academy is the same thing but the principles um, not necessarily the, the formation but they all know very well to play different formations all, all players learn these different things but then you can drop them into a team later but the, the, the original point of this this game this 1-0 win for Man City obviously good for them um, Arsenal won't be that fussed but you can see that from the team they put out you can just see it they don't have the squad that Man City have so you need to find yeah. time to give some players a bit of a rest keep momentum going for the Premier League is it, but is it kind of positive defeat in that sense because Arsenal did rotate a lot but they kept the game very very I mean they were the better team in the first half I thought yeah they thought they were good for um like this is the thing so it, no matter how well they played and whatever the, the result has gone the way they didn't want it to but what you have now with Arsenal is that they have been defeated by their rivals in the Premier League who are was it seven points off mm-hmm. and they've come Eggs. back from that before uh, Man City in the league to overturn that so although Arsenal have all the momentum and now are the favourites to win the league and they look great and like you say they play very well in this game they now have that psychological defeat of knowing that when they play against them in the league properly which I think is on the 15th of February, so quite soon, and so it's a Wednesday. They've been beaten already, so that might make them a little bit more nervous. And when you play with any sort of nerves, it's not good. You want to just be relaxed and pressure free and expect you're going to win with all the momentum. So it might be that I don't know if they'll lose any momentum from losing this one game. It shouldn't really bother them. I think both teams will take the positives, right? Yeah. I think mm-hmm. Man City will say, look, we can beat. Arsenal and Arsenal will say, yeah, well, we ro- rotated and it was, a, you know, it's a competition that and we, still we could do without. Them. Yeah, and we, we we lost by one goal and it could have gone differently on the day as well. So I think they'll take that. Here's a few uh, things dropped in by um, uh, producer Steve, Mr. Henkels. Um, uh, that Man United 99 11, 
They played 19 times together in total. But there are loads of other examples. I'm on the BBC article about the best ever teams that um, that didn't play together or played together very rarely. England's golden generation, for example. Owen and Rooney up front. Scholes, Lampard, Gerard, Beckham. Cole, Terry, Ferdinand, Neville. They never once started an international together with that lineup, which is amusing, given that that is exactly what we think about it. And Arsenal's Invincibles as well. Would it surprise you to learn, writes the BBC, that uh, this side started only two league games together for the Gunners that season, and that was uh, Henri and Bergkamp up front, Pires, Gilberto, Vieira, Jumberg, Cole, Torre, Campbell, Lauren and Lehman. Only twice. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? So there we go. There's a, a nut, a kernel of an idea within that nut. The nut has its own kernel. Now, congratulations to Manchester City, of course. Who doesn't wish them well on their way to... I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know. But, you know... Follow it through. Yeah, keep going. Is that what you're saying? Okay, I, follow I, it I think through. these, these oh, games are... These, I I'm was going to say you. something great, I'm going to save you from, yeah, from the wallowing that yeah. you're currently going through. But I was going to say I really look forward to these games because I see games between teams like this where the managers are super tactical as, as almost like a mini series within a season because we know that they're going to each manager is going to try and outthink the other one uh, and this was another example of that like Ma- Arsenal came out and went man for man out of possession in the in the uh, when when Man City were in the build up phase which is something we've not really seen before mm. um and then Man City came out in the second half with solutions to some of the problems they used um they used Rico Lewis as a as an inverted fullback but they basically used him more as like a centre midfielder who dropped out. Yeah. Um, so even in the build-up, he was starting in the middle. Usually with an inverted fullback, you'll start them flattish in the deep phase and then move them inside. So they tried that from the off, and and then Arsenal had solutions to those problems. And then they brought Kyle Walker on in the second half, and he was running the, the line more like a classic fullback and stuff. So I really look forward to these games because I think mm. sometimes they can be a bit boring for just people wanting to see loads of goals and stuff. But there's there's a lot of thought that goes into them tactically, and the and the beauty of these these sorts of teams is that they do have the flexibility to be able to change things up mid game in yeah. a big way and not just lose the game uh, from doing that. So yeah, I quite enjoy these ones. So it'll be really really interesting seeing that game on the fifteenth. Yeah, no, fair enough. Also, I think it's worth saying I saw. Throughout the week, uh, a lot of uh, videos pop up on on YouTube or on other uh, social video platforms of interviews of Pep Guardiola in the past and more recently praising Arteta, saying that he always learns things from him. Yeah. Um, it did. See, it seemed like a sort of match of equals, didn't it? In that in that regard, I think so. Yeah, and yeah, um, yeah we we didn't think that was going to be the case when we first started watching Arteta, and now no. now they are equals, and it, it's going to come down to personnel now. I think often in the in the two matchups between the two of them. Yeah. yeah. Personnel and man management handling the, the change and approach that Arsenal have as being the leaders as opposed to chasing. Yeah. yeah. Does this tell us anything about Arsenal's fixture against Manchester City in the Premier League coming up? The only thing I think it does soon? is it might give a slight bit of attention to fans and the players that they have now lost to them, even though it shouldn't really matter because it's, it's a rotated team and it's different competition, but it just gives a little bit of... They yeah. now have a psychological edge, very slight. I don't know how that plays out in the pitch, but it might just sit there. A little bit, it's a confidence thing. Because the, the Man City are the, the best team, like one of the best teams in Europe, if not the best team in Europe. Mm-hmm. They're not informed just now, but they have the best players, best squad. It's worth saying as well that this was an FA Cup game, which it clearly Arteta was happier to lose than, than Guardiola. Yeah. yeah. Um, and obviously you get the positive aspect of that, but there is also a negative one, which is when they play in the league. 
there's going to be a lot more weight on on the Arsenal team to actually get the result than there was in the FA Cup for them to get the result. So it'll be interesting to see how they navigate that, I think. Yeah. Okay, fine. Well, we'll look forward to that. Before we move on from the aged and weighty tournament that is the FA Cup, Wrexham 3-3 Sheffield United. This was one of the games of the uh, of the weekend there, JJ Bull. Sheffield United, of course, in the Championship. Wrexham, not even in the uh, the football league. Are they're they? in the national league. They're in the national. But they're top. League. They're top of the national yeah. league, and they do have twice the budget of all the other teams, right? Uh, I don't know. They have twice. They have a good budget, but they've done it very well. They don't yeah. know how much money they put into buying players. People like Paul Mullen and Tom O'Connor and decent wages and whatever, and they had to pay, pay some yeah. money for some of them. They've got a good team that like they should be top. So their rivals are, tend to be it's not not county. Not county. I think better than Wrexham. Do you? I'm just putting it out there. Wow. John with another hot, another hot take. take. Yeah. A every national day league, do this. A and national then the rest league of the hot days take. of the week you Imagine go, that. oh, I shouldn't have said that because then 100 people <laughs> called me an idiot. You I've know, not watched the them enough to know anything about Notts County. So. Yeah, I've watched them a bit this season because they have a manager called Luke Williams who is very exciting. I this is Notts County. Yeah, Notts County. I did a thread on him recently, uh, but he's he's playing what people call Guardiola ball in the National League, ah. which is which has been very nice to watch. Right. Um, really good manager. He'll be in the Championship a next A bit like Barrow did. Barrow Salona, yeah. I actually watched yeah. Ian Everett at the weekend as well. He's now at Bolton. He's at Bolton, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. that's right. There we go. Well, well, yeah. all the best to Ian Everett and Luke Williams. Luke Williams, yeah. a yes. name to watch Phil out Phil Parkinson is the coach of Wrexham, is that Yes, right? you may yeah. recognise him from the documentary. The swear scene. Was he in the Sunderland one? Uh, I don't he, know. He was a ma- Sunderland manager at one point, wasn't he? Was he? No, Does he just not. love documentaries? Who is the manager for for the uh, the, the Sun- Sunderland till I, I don't die? Know. I, could, I couldn't finish watching that. Really? Yeah, I just didn't care about it enough. I haven't watched any of those no. series. So. I think the thing I, the, the reason manager, I find yeah. it hard, like, I think the reason I like the Wrexham one is because it's punctuated by fun. Whereas when it's ninety percent, look how meaningful this is. I look at it and I go, eh. Is yeah, you I just don't like football. Really. You just don't like football, do you? That's the thing. No, it's not that. I do like. I like elements of uh, the football. Sometimes the, what happens on the pitch is a bit boring, but uh, <laughs> the stuff, the stuff around it, very, very interesting. I think the issue with these things is is when they try to when they try too hard to make more of something than is there. Yeah, right. they try to or make then, you feel something rather than you naturally yeah, feeling it. Yeah. Exactly. Or yeah. then don't explore, you know, the downsides. Which Sunderland to like rom- romanticization of all of these? Uh, you know, I don't know. So not until I died was the first one, wasn't it? So I guess they. Yeah, well, that's uh, the one that um, yeah. uh, I think Rob Malkinney's talked about how that's like so uh, Humphrey Carr, who we had on the uh, the podcast, it's on YouTube if you want to find it on TVYRL, talked about how he got Rob Malkinney watching that, and that's what got him into mm. these sort of documentaries and sport things, and then into football specifically. Yeah, and maybe then, he's looking to feel something, you know. Well, maybe. Who but then, say? yeah, I mean, so like, as a lot of people have done, I've been playing as Wrexham and Football Manager this mm. season. So I feel like I know these players quite well. Can, before, I do want to hear more about that. But before yeah. I, we go on, I would say, obviously, I hope it would go without saying, an incredible achievement to anyone who creates a documentary series like that. I'm, I mean nothing. <laughs> when I sit here and say, oh, I didn't like this one or I like that one, it's worthless opinion. I have no value. Whoever made that, absolutely excellent job. Well done. Please continue talking about Wrexham. Uh, yes, and 
Would you say you support them now? Do you feel like they're they're your team? Oh, I love it's always sunny in Philadelphia, and therefore Rob McElhenney. So like, mm. I would like in the National League, I don't really care. When I well, this is the thing that like, it's weird. So when I was younger, me and my friend used to play. Um, my friend Ander, who that uh, doesn't matter. That's, Ander that's Herrera. Who, no, no, Alexander. <laughs> but he's called Ander. Right. But he's now called Alex. Like Xander from Buffy. But it's not Xander. Everyone thought it was called Xander. Everyone thought it's called just Ander. Ander. Yeah, that's what I call. Does him, he yeah. still go by Ander? He's called Alex now. He's called that. Well, yeah. yeah it's my one of my best friends growing up. Right. Anyway, but we used to play um, Ultimate Soccer Manager Two. <laughs> <laughs> and it was brilliant. If anyone's played this and listened to the podcast, you'll remember it. It was so good. What was it on? It's quite funny that it PC? was called PC. Ultimate Soccer Manager and yeah. there was a second one. So there was like, a second one. Ultimate I've Soccer Manager wasn't one. ultimate <laughs> enough. They had to bring in another it one. It was totally awesome too. Yeah. Well, they made another one later on. It was They tried to like make it more fancy, but it was the original charm of this one that worked. It was around about the time right. that Sensible World of Soccer was kind of going about. It was very basic, but you could like even... It's just so cool. You could build your stadium and you could make it... It had sort of Chris Sawyer-y bits to it where you could see your stadium getting built and stuff. It was cool. Right. But uh, we always went, for some reason, as Halifax. Town. So for a long time in my life, I looked out for Halifax Town results. I don't know, <laughs> but when I was younger, I used to really like them. Same way, lots of people get um, involved in Football Manager um, yeah. because they start supporting the team. Lots of people support a team because they play them as them in FIFA stuff yeah. like that. But Wrexham, I'd like that documentary a lot. Obviously, I like the people a lot. So yeah. I like following the story. It's interesting. And it's, yeah. it replicates what I've done a lot of times with Football Manager, getting a small team up to the top leagues mm. and seeing how they do it. Yeah. So I've got Wrexham to mid-table Premier League now. Wow. How many to, seasons? Uh, I got them back-to-back promoted, winning the league each time except the championship. I finished second. Game's broken, isn't it? It's a stupid game. Uh, <laughs> I'm just good at it. Again. I'm just good at it. To the makers of Football Manager. Fantastic. <laughs> My valueless opinion, but come on, that's so stupid. Friend of the podcast, Paul Ansorge, I was chatting to him last night. He's playing as um, Wrexham too. Yeah. He's had back-to-back promotions into to the championship. Uh, and he, he, I said, is the aim to win the Champions League? And he said, yeah, but also if you do, then the game's fucked, isn't it? Because like you shouldn't be able to do that. Maybe 30 years. You play 30 seasons yeah. with Wrexham and you can win the Champions it League. It is hard now. If Premier you win League, the Champions yeah. League or the Premier League within, what, six years or five years? Oh, that years won't happen, though. No. Yeah. Like, so it's five, six seasons in them now? It just gets. It's a lot more realistic than it used to be. It's more. It's yeah. they want it to be a simulation football manager. Yeah, and it's very much like that. The issue with that though is if they made it a complete simulation, it wouldn't be fun, would it? Well, the thing is that we are po- very possibly in a simulation right now. Right, and uh, it explains why I'm not having any fun yeah. <laughs> any of the time. Well, that's well, that's one of the yeah. yeah. Well, think one of the reasons you might not be a simulation actually yeah. is that because you're not having fun. If you're going to simulate something, why would you make it so there's loads of boring? Bits? Exactly. If if Sega and uh, Sports Interactive had made this. Simulation, Simulation. Yeah. It would be fun, and I could do things like that I couldn't normally do in real life, like have a good time, yeah. and you know. But we could. I mean, I'm really into this simulation idea at the moment. It's yeah. interesting. Yeah. You I mean, feel like you've been into that for a long time. Yeah, it's because it's. I think it's a thing. Do you want to take this opportunity to talk about aliens? Or sure, <laughs> right into them. Yeah, it's to do with like we talked about earlier about how time, present, future, past is flat. It's all. It's not flat. It's just it all exists at the same time. Right. Yeah. Simultaneity. So like simultaneity. What we think of as aliens might not be aliens. It might be something that can might operate different frequencies between different dimensions. Humans. This is different... quantum a quantum physics theory. <laughs> right. Of the multidimensional kind of bit and pieces. Well, of any. And I am better place than that. many people to talk about it on a football say, podcast. I would yeah. trust you to discuss. Quantum I'm very physics. very smart in quantum physics and numbers. It's on a different frequency. Before we finish, though, anyway, Wrexham. on Wrexham, like what? I mean, you know, we talked about the idea of winning the Champions League, winning the Premier League with them on Football Manager. What's, yeah. what's the what's the reality here? You know, because also, like, yeah, the Hollywood owners, but they haven't got endless money. No, in they the don't. Same way that some actually very very rich. Owners it's do. really hard to get with that league. So the the big point for me with Wrexham mm. is that that national league is so com- competitive, and you tend to need like. <sighs> 
Like at that level you of football, you just did it in first season though in the game. Yeah, there's, only one, I, well, there's only one automatic promotion spot. Yeah, yeah, and then there's a playoff, right? Uh, yes, I, I can't remember. So there's only two teams that go up. It's, yeah, is that right? Playoffs uh, for f- because didn't Wrexham lose in the playoffs six, last season? Five, yeah. No, I think am I right in saying? Yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. and it was, but the thing is, right? So what I thought was interesting about playing on Football Manager is that the team that I settled on, I didn't, I knew nothing about the actual Wrexham team before I started doing it. Yeah, uh, the team I, I settled on is exactly the same one that Parkinson plays mostly, right. like three five two. You got to play a certain way so that the players they've got suit a system that plays like that. You play Ollie Palmer up top because he's a big lad. You can get the ball to him. He's yeah. good at poaching in the box. Then you can play Paul Mullen, who's a very, very talented player. Uh, you can play like a second striker off of him. So they work that and they get the ball forward quickly because you kind of have to do that in National League teams because people sit in a block because the, the technical level's low. So then you can't, like some teams can play the Guardiola ball and do that sort of bit. It's very hard to coach and very hard to keep the players that do that for any longer than one season because they get picked yeah. up and go somewhere else. So then you've got players that can uh, make late runs into the box, like Elliot Lee and Luke Young, that sort of players. Tom O'Connor's a good uh, midfielder, the Irish guy in the middle of the pitch, kind of hold it together. Scored of the weekend. And you would have seen Ben Tozer as a centre-back who can hurl a ball about 400 miles, so yes. loads of long throws. Just like the sort of small details you need in teams at that level yeah. to take them forward. The guy who can hurl the ball into the box, you've got big lads who can then head it down, win the second ball and score. And the XG in this game, I think I saw the XG philosophy said it was like 3.5 to their Wrexham and 0. Oh, five or something to right. Sheffield United. Well, the goals they scored were, they're all stramashes, really. Yeah. First one was a corner near post. Is I don't like man-to-man marking. Me and John talked about this earlier. At corner, and then they scored the near post. Then uh, Wrexham have a couple of injuries that are to really important players. I think Tunnicliffe and Hayden, who are two of their really important defenders. Yeah. Um, they came, they come off and have to replace them with players who aren't really defenders. I think uh, was it Cleverth come, come on? Yeah, the two centre backs went off. Didn't yeah, they? Cleverth and it was the other boy came on. Oh, Jordan Jones. He's a he's a midfielder though. So you put them on. They're not really defenders. So you got to adjust that way. But they held them like for good parts of the game. In the last twenty minutes, I thought Wrexham looked like so good and mm. well deserved goal by Mullen scoring that like clever nutmeg through the keepers. Like yeah. we just couldn't hold out. You Question. sort of sent it. Was you thought it was coming? You're six, seven seasons in on Football Manager. Have you have you retained any of the original team? Uh, no, I got rid of most of them. The ones that were stood out were McFadzi and o- O'Connor and Mullen, but yeah. mostly they're not really good enough after League Two, League One. So right, right, then you have to start replacing them. Hayden stays. You want to keep your club captains in and stuff okay. like that. So Can we cover some breaking news? What is it? Because David Ornstein has just tweeted: Bayern Munich set to sign fullback Joao Cancelo. Really? From Manchester oh, City. Wow. David Onstein's tweeted that, has he? 14 minutes ago. 14 minutes ago. Well, breaking news. Good Lord. Let's have breaking news reactions to David Onstein's tweet. Bayern Munich to sign Joao Cancelo, fullback from Manchester City. John McKenzie, what do you make of it? It's on loan, yes. Um, it's on loan. Not on loan? Yes, for the rest of the season. So <laughs> clearly what's happened is there's been some sort of falling out, I suspect. Yes. But. You called him Mr. Cancelo the other day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Rico Lewis comes in and uh, Joao Cancelo can't get back in the team. So wow. Fascinating stuff. On loan, you say. Option to buy, though. So it'd just be getting him out the oh, door. Option to buy. Not just, you don't want to disrupt the, um, the team spirit. Wow. If he's going to start moaning. But the second coming of fullbacks disappears. Yeah. Look at that. It's not been very good since the World Cup, though, to be fair. No? No. Okay. Well, uh, you know, let's all tip of the hat to the talented David Ornstein, shall we say, always updating us with what's happening in the football world. Okay, let's have a break now, and when we come back, we'll discuss stuff that wasn't breaking news because we planned it on Thursday. <laughs> Last week. <laughs> Hello. 
Hello, I'm Mark Chapman, host of the Athletic Football Podcast. It's the final week of January and uh, that sound you can hear is clubs frantically trying to get deals over the line before the deadline closes on Tuesday night. Uh, myself, David Ornstein, Adam Crafton and our raft of club experts will be all across the biggest moves this week and we'll discuss the fallout when the window shuts. So just search for the Athletic Football Podcast on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your pods. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Everton Football Club, let's discuss Everton. They've uh, featured on the podcast a couple of times in recent weeks for different reasons. Frank Lampard, of course, was, uh, was let go. Uh, last week and has been replaced by we thought it was going to be Marcelo Bielsa for a while but no it's Sean Dyche much the same but uh, from a different sort of place I guess and with a different sounding voice you know but uh, other than that do you want to have a go at it? the same what the the Sean Dyche voice I don't think so I think if our experience has taught us anything it was that me doing accents not a good idea it's not accents an impression Different. What if I just ta- if I don't do the accent, but I take the gravel tone in my same accent? No, you <laughs> want to do it more like that, Son Dice. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Does anybody have a mint? That's right. The thing is, we play a four-four-two. You make sure that the fullback pushes up right to the halfway line. <laughs> this is good. Keep this everything good. together. It's, you sound like um, <laughs> you know, Alice James. He sounds uh, like Sean Dyche. Is yeah, what he yeah, yeah. Like. But he sounds more like uh, uh, you know, Alice James. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Alice James and John Robbins used to do the show where they did an impression of a, a guy from Australia uh, who would be who would have exactly <laughs> yeah, the same kind of Sean <laughs> right, Dyche. No. But you're like, <laughs> Roddy, mate. You're like that. Your voice a bit gravelly for Sean Dyche. I've right, spoken right. to him on the phone a few times. Have you? That's when he's Australian, yeah. You've spoken to him on the phone? Yeah. What have you spoken to him on the phone about? Um, doing research for articles for Telegraph when he right. used to be a big old journalist. He wasn't ordering a pizza from you or something, or he accidentally called no, you when you worked No, he was talking the about the leadership qualities of players like uh, Ashley Barnes. He's worked very hard to get to where he is now. We well. put the things in place to make sure that the players can reach <laughs> the, the, the potential. Then it's up to the player to get there. <laughs> right, right, okay. It, yeah. And in your real accent, not the English one, though, just the <laughs> Scottish one, please. Um, Sean Dyche do you think he's going to sort the Everton squad I mean there's a lot to, I can see you again ready to do the accent again don't you do it you, do I, it. you cease do now it. do you think because their first game against Arsenal the weekend is quite a big a tough tough opening game hmm. yeah I think it's going to be 
Uh, do your posh English one. That's good as well. Oh yes, Arsenal versus Everton. <laughs> yeah. So um, the thing is, Sean Dyche excelled at Burnley using a four-four-two. Yeah. Very uh, disciplined kind of formation, but it's not quite the four-four-two you think it is. They push very high. Often the back four becomes a three. They play inverted wingers. It depends on where they go. His off-ball. 442 uh, organization is key. Yes. Because to prevent teams playing against them and scoring many goals, he would keep the 442 rigid and show the ball <laughs> wide from the front two, which often becomes a 4411. Yeah. Which is basically all, all formations that really matter. It depends where the ball is and where the players go. And so what we'll see against Arsenal with Everton is likely a 442, right. which is more of a 4411. The personnel. We don't know. <laughs> well, thanks to Lord Bull. I mean, he's right, though. Lord Bull's right, though, isn't he, John? Because people people don't know, do they? They think it's the one thing you said earlier, but then it is actually another thing you also said earlier. Yeah, Sean Dyche is a bit of an anomaly because people have the, a very specific idea of him based largely on JJ's impression of him, I think. Of an anomaly! <laughs> um, yeah, people talking about him as a, 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 a manager. Yeah, a manager who will keep your club up at all costs kind of manager despite the fact that he's had two managerial jobs one of them was Watford which I think was only half a season long I think he did okay there but I, th- I think they were already going down anyway yeah uh, and then um well maybe maybe qualify me I'll, I'll I'll leave that one up to Steve how did um how did Sean Dyche do when he was at Watford Steve mm. um at Burnley he took that over when they was when they were in the championship and took them up and kept them in the Premier League for a long time um which isn't really a firefighting manager it's like sure. a manager People relegated once in that time I think he took them yeah, back, up, took him back yeah. up the following season yeah so uh, I don't know I, I but on a tiny budget as well like the job yeah. he did right so like sure enough it's kind of boring to watch and you knew that they're going to be robust hard to beat but the thing is, he had no budget. They bought nobody at all. And all he always went for was people who have strong characters, like a decent technical level, because you have to be at the Premier League. But he'd be players like Jack Cork that really good for him, Ashley Westwood, like all these players that you don't think would be uh, phenomenal. Mm. He managed to keep them like going all the time in the Premier League. And then soon enough, as they kept going and going and going towards the end, they kept selling the best players. Tarkovsky went, uh, Chris Wood went. Like everyone left but yet they were still battling against teams who had spent hundreds and hundreds of millions. The money they spent was on making the training ground decent. Yeah. They got into Europe once. They played Aberdeen in the... <laughs> in the Derek McInnes's Aberdeen. Yeah, yeah. Lewis Ferguson scored an overhead kick against them. But they were just the, the, the hardest team we could have got in that draw, I think. And they were solid. They were yeah. hard to play against. He's a good manager. I'm going to come back to talk about Aberdeen, but just quickly to your question for Steve Hankey. He's popped in the plan there. That uh, Watford finished the 2011-12 season in 11th place. Yeah, Dyche took over after Malky Mackay. It was the best finish for four years, but uh, the Pozzo family took over and sacked him. Right. There we go. There you go. Yeah. So, firefighting manager with a mid-table finish at Watford and then yeah, a so, couple of seasons where he was struggling with Burnley. So, maybe he's not what people think he is necessarily. But let's have a quick look at the squad, though, uh, of what he actually has to deal with here at Everton. Um, of course, we have players like uh, Yerry Mina, Tarkovsky there, Mason Holgate. I was thinking earlier that... Um, that fella from Burnley's gone there, hasn't he? What's his Dwight name? Dwight McNeil. Dwight McNeil be rejoined. And Tarkovsky. And Tarkovsky, yeah, they'll be rejoined with uh, with Sean Dyche, of course. Damari Gwe, Alex Iwobi, who's had a slightly different role this season, but has played uh, excellently well. And, of course, we've got Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who has been, you know, suffered uh, several injuries over the last sort of year, year 18 months or so, um, but uh, is an excellent performer at top level. There's, there, you would think, JJ Ball, that there is enough quality within the squad for that team not to be getting relegated from the Premier League. Obviously, the circumstances at the moment say otherwise. But um, you look at the squad list and you think, like, 
there's definitely enough there, right? There's some decent enough individual players, but like it's difficult with some of them. Like Alex Awobi, technically gifted player. Um, I still don't think he's a midfielder. I know he's had a couple sure. of good games there, but they've one of their better out. players this season. Right? Uh, no, yeah, times. but they're almost getting relegated. So does that matter? Like, he's also like played a lot in the right wing as a right wing back. He doesn't track his men. Like all, there's loads of goals and examples we can just see simple things that players like him should have coached out of them, mm. and they still do. Uh, th- Let me say a Scottish player and then see if you react any differently. Nathan yeah. Patterson. Nathan Patterson is a very good right back there he when he plays at, <laughs> for Scotland. Couldn't get in the Rangers first team either. Yeah, yeah. So like James Tavernier kept him out. Mm. Uh, it, it's a twelve million I think they paid for him. Not he's sure. uh, he's got a really high ceiling um, uh, potential wise. He isn't it's not literally within his house, although he may have tall ceilings. Mm. But then you think he could play, but then you can't put him into a team that's really struggling relegation because you might dent his confidence. Whatever you want him to keep developing, and also you have Seamus Coleman. You can play there, yeah. and the shape they've been playing. It depends what suit, like what suits this team, and it's probably a three-four-three, five-four-one um, formation. But then, if you've only got Dominic Calvert-Lewin as your only real striker, like Mopey's there as well, sure enough. But uh, you, you can't really play Mopey as just a nine to hold up the play. If you want to play deep and create the ball forward, mm. you need Calvert-Lewin some of that to play. Playing a four-four-two, I don't know how that would work unless you could maybe play a Wobie off of Calvert-Lewin in, yeah. in that sort of shape. Worth saying, Nathan Patterson actually has more minutes than Seamus Coleman this season. Is that right? Yeah. Well, good. Seamus Coleman is thirty-four years old. I know, isn't yeah. That's crazy, scary. It's one of the best guys Frank Lampard ever met. Yeah. The other thing to say is the last time Frank Lampard left a job and was replaced by someone else, the first thing they did was sort out the defending, and, they and became, then they won the championship. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's watch true. this space, Sean this Dyche. Space. I mean, uh, um, well, let's talk. Let's carry on uh, with the sort of Everton conversation, but let's move on slightly to discuss Anthony Gordon. Uh, I think it's a £45 million transfer to Newcastle. I mean, um, John, you you like him, but this is your sort of controversial opinion. Surely he's not worth £45 million, though, is he? I mean, I'm not sure. When you say I like him, I think my position is... It actually says in here, John f***ing loves him in the plan, yes. it says. That was not written by me, no, okay. nor, nor is it an opinion that I hold. Right, right. I would ask that you respect the privacy of my family at this time <laughs> um, and direct all of your abuse to my Twitter. This is it. The reason you're reacting in this way is because, obviously, you it's fair to say you <laughs> let your emotions get the better of you last week and your hate for Casemiro <laughs> came through in the form of a comment that actually wasn't accurate, was it? Would you like to apologise? A for comment that? that actually wasn't accurate. Do you want to apologise for that now? Or do you I'm, want... I'm not apologising for anything. Uh, well, Why are you booing me? I'm some, right. Sometimes they say, you know, double down isn't isn't the best option. But with Anthony Gordon... I get it. Manchester United fans, Manchester United week, fans have right? had not a lot to enjoy in the last few years. They've gone from True. being a team who used to win everything to a team who, you know, barely win anything. And yeah. they have to grab, grab at any of the little... You know, they have to grab at little bonuses. That's right. Those yeah. little bonuses. They get a player who's okay, and they're like, "Oh, you know, this player's now the greatest." You saying Casemiro is just okay? I am not talking about Casemiro at this point it in time. Like you I'm, were though. Would like to distance myself from your comments. What about Anthony Gordon? Is he okay? Anthony Gordon. So Anthony Gordon, I think people Why is think he is the best either player ever. He's. He's. I think people either really. I don't think anyone really likes him, but I think a lot of people really don't like him. <laughs> I reckon his mum really likes him. I think his mum, mum, yeah. His and, mum his friends, and his friends. friends. Yeah. And his friends. And Sean Dyche. Well, that's well. Australian. That's Australian Dyche. Sean Dyche. Sean Dyche doesn't need to like him because he's not going to have him. Lots of accent. You've put Australian in there and I've sort of gone wrong with it now. I think you put Australian yeah. in there before. You've got into no, his head there with that accent. Yeah. yeah. 
Seriously, that's though. That's right, yeah. Because yeah, Newcastle yeah. fans so, will be listening now saying we, they were going to talk about him and then they started talking about Man United. And they've got that Joe Devine, always, he's always interrupting. Always interrupting, making yeah. John's Gone. points sound making much more controversial worse, than much, they are. Gone's a great player. Let's imagine, and we'll reset for all the listeners at home, imagine that didn't happen the last few minutes. Imagine it was all didn't happen and then go, oh, Oh, John, Anthony <laughs> Gordon. Right, Stuart Lee. Anthony Gordon's oh. gone to Newcastle United. £45 million. Pounds. Oh, oh. oh, the beaker folk. Oh, the beaker, <laughs> the beaker folk. All transfers happening. What do you think um, about it? So I think with, with Anthony Gordon, there was rumours that he was going to join Chelsea, right, yeah. in the summer for £50 million or something, right, which mm. is obviously too much for uh, a player who is as untested as Anthony Gordon has been. Um and I think on a backlash against that, there's been a lot of people now who think that Anthony Gordon is rubbish right. because because I, I guess that's the, the natural response to that. I think that the truth is probably somewhere in between. I think Anthony Gordon is probably worth £20 million pounds, um, and will give you a decent rate of return off that. I think he's really good out of possession. Yeah. I think he's an exciting ball-carrying player that in certain systems will, will work well. And I think Newcastle is a system that he'll work well in. Okay. Um, well, he's had 1,100 minutes now this season to judge him on that there wasn't before. Interestingly, he's um, Everton's most booked player. He's got six yellow cards mm. this season. He's got a bit about him. A bit of, bit of fire. Yeah, he's got a bit of fire, a bit of grit. It's, it's kind of uh, determined character. He is really quick. I think he's recorded as one of the quickest players in the league. Uh, so very direct. So if you're trying to, if you're a system that relies on having space and behind, really useful players hate playing against people like that. Mm. If they're really aggressive and really quick, like, you don't have to deal with that as a defender. So like, although his output, his numbers aren't very good. Um, There's a big joke about him scoring deflected goals, right? Like all of his goals, I think, have been deflections, right? something like that, like big deflections or something. Right. Apart from the one against Leeds, but that doesn't count. Because big deflections, a bit like when I suggested you need <laughs> to apologise. <laughs> yeah, things like that. Yeah. yeah. Big deflections. Well, from a Newcastle perspective, JJ, uh, where's he going to play? Chris Wood, I think, has gone out on loan to Forest. To Forest. Um, yeah. I mean, is he is he going to be a starter? Forty-five million. You would hope so. Uh, well, again, like many transfers, are just trying to improve the squad and have more options because if anyone gets injured that's really bad and they don't have very good wide uh, quick options they have Alan St. Maximin and Miguel Almiron that's pretty much it yeah. St. Maximin is always injured and his output is even worse than Anthony Gordon's so right. uh, what they've been doing is playing Joel, Joel Linton as the left-sided pressing forward basically who just helps with keeping their defensive numbers really high they win the ball uh, in the final third the third most of any team in the Premier League. They're very mm. good at doing that, but then they dropped a mid-block, then they dropped a little deep compact block. And for more information on that, watch the video on Tifo YRL, which I've made. I took a lot of research. Great. I think it's quite good. Okay. And um, the Gordon will play likely on the left or the right of that uh, forward line, replacing one of those two. You could play him up front next to a strike if you want, but Howe doesn't play front two. He always plays with uh, pressing three with a, an eight becoming a ten to help with the, the first line of engagement. Yeah. Okay, fine. Quick trip back to the Championship. Uh, because uh, Dyche's old club, Burnley, doing quite well under Vincent Company, aren't they? Barcelona ball. That's right, yeah. Um, Burnley <laughs> left it in a certain way. We played a certain style. It worked very well. And what uh, Vinny's done once he's come in is changed that. He's brought new players. They're playing more at a higher tempo. Yeah. Lots of movement, fluid movement in between. It's, it's great to watch. I'll tell you what he's done there, Vinny. Good day. Yeah. Well, there's another video that um, we've got on Tifo IRL, which Michael Bailey, very talented Michael Bailey, has done. Monsieur Michael. Um, looked at a real strip down of how they play, and it is just 
very much like Guardiola ball. It's yeah. very much playing out from the back and playing that two three shape um, in build up or three two, I should say, in build up to try and circulate the ball, draw people onto you, and then play through the lines. He's changed a couple of times how they've played during the season mm. to adapt to play ball playing against them, but they're playing nice football. Okay. It's crazy that Vincent Company has the same accent as Sean Dyche, though, right? It is crazy, but yeah. you know, I guess listen, weirder things have happened. <laughs> um, JJ Ball sounds sounding a little too happy for my tastes, John. I don't know if you agree. So let's get him to talk something uh, about something that will make him sad <laughs> now. Of course, we recorded the podcast on Monday last week. Well, Aberdeen, oh, I find this really funny. We didn't so, have yeah. time to discuss what happened to Aberdeen in one of the Scottish... The Scottish? The Scottish Cup Did competitions, I'm again, trying maybe. to say. <laughs> the the uh, Scottish Cup competitions. That's terrible. Yeah. Um, but Darvel, which is... I, don't, I mean, it sounds like a kind of, you know... They're in the sixth division. It's yeah. like a juniors team. It's in Ayrshire. It's in Ayrshire. I'm reliably informed. There we go. By okay, my fine. Ayrshire friends. They it's like a team your, a your mates could conceivably play for. team yeah. in Scotland, which does not mean the same as a sixth division team in England. No. I mean, honestly, that's, you know, what are we actually talking about? It's, it's, it's the best player of your friends. Oh, like you're, you can conceivably have mates who play for them if, just, if you just live yeah. in that area. Um, and they beat Aberdeen. They beat Aberdeen 1-0. They didn't just beat them 1-0. They played them off the park. <laughs> Like I'm not exaggerating. I watched it and I was uh, actively like willing them to win. I was like, <laughs> like fuck these guys. Aberdeen, like get them, like beat them two three nil. When Aberdeen were about to score, I was like, no, Aberdeen scored. It was a terrible offside decision. The guy was about five yards on. Yeah, Leighton Clarkson plays for Liverpool, but he's on loan. Um, breaks the offside trap <laughs> by about five or ten yards. Gets in behind, squares it. Aberdeen score, and I was like, please be offside. <laughs> Which is weird because I really like I, sure. Aberdeen's results affect my mood. It sounds like you got your priorities in order. Yeah, well, it, it has an adverse effect on my weekend when we lose, and at the moment yeah. we're losing. We have the worst goal uh, expected goals by a mile mm. in the Premiership. Um, it, really embarrassing. The manager got fired straight after it. But this this result for context is one of, if not the most humiliating, embarrassing defeats in Scottish Cup, if not Scottish football history. Yeah. Uh, like Bon Accord once, I think they either lost or won 38 0. I can't remember what the thing was. This bon Accord is, is a team. I thought they were an indie yeah, band. Bon Accord, well, I mean, I don't think I didn't see them play at tunnels anytime I was there. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's, it's really poor. But there we go. The fallout of it afterwards is that people. So obviously that's humiliating. Aberdeen were already in a run. All Most of the fans, I'd say the large majority, 90, 95% of them want the manager, Jim Goodwin, to have been fired mm. after this game and before it, actually. Jim Goodwin. Jim Goodwin. Jim is. Bad Loss was the one that got sacked, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, more, yeah, they can do any number of them. More like inadequate defeat, uh, yeah, that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. There's loads of things you can do with that name. Anyway, sure. he did very well at St. Mirren. I feel like I've been chastised. Just, well, yeah, nice one, mate. Start stealing you're my, my jokes. say Darville superheroes next, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> For context of it all, like Jim Goodwin did very well at St Mirren. Aberdeen want to be the third best team. It's really very hard to do it, mm. um, even though you've got the biggest budget, because if you want to play expansive football in Scotland, it's very difficult to do, because to do that, you've got to play a high line, um, and you've got to play a high press, probably, to be able to like do this, and you've got to open up the pitch and have nice passing football. You need technical players to do that. Technical players, not always, but tend to lack the kind of grit and strength that you get from... The sort of players you could um, characterise or stereotype from like the UK or Ireland, you know, the kind of, not hoofers, but just strong players who can pass the ball 10 yards, but most likely will go sideways and then they'll be in the mix to head it in for a goal. Yeah. Right? So Jim Goodwin did well with St Mirren. Uh, they played all right football. Aberdeen tried to play this possession-based attack football under Stephen Glass. Didn't work very well. The underlying numbers show it was actually working quite well. Got rid of him. Jim Goodwin's come in and the underlying numbers are incredibly bad. Mm. Like, just horrific. And uh, he's managed to last that long. He played against Darville, and it should have been the manager at, at a moment where you say, right, obviously, 
this is even me who thinks you shouldn't fire managers because it's just it's one off maybe the players aren't turning out for you they got played off the park because it looks like bad coaching or you've lost the respect of the players and they're not listening to your instructions yeah. it's one of those two things either way the only real way past this is to probably change manager and yeah. move on there's no real way out of it shake it up so the, the board um, maybe admirably say do you know what we're going to give you another week you'll see this loads of clubs have this where it's just like bad result right gone because it's toxic in the fans get rid they kept him another week because you never know. Maybe that's a turning point where suddenly after that you turn around. They mm. put a lot of faith in this manager. Maybe they can turn it around. Yeah. And they lost 6-0 to Hibs on the weekend. <laughs> uh, another one of the most abysmal performances I've ever seen. Good Lord. Unbelievably bad. And he got fired yeah. and left 19 minutes after full time. Yeah, okay, fine. Fine, thanks, JJ, for that. appreciate that. Uh, we will uh, go for a break now. And when we get back, we have a few more things to discuss before the podcast is over. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Okay, we return. Before we start, I did see a fun comment um, that uh, I thought summarised you very, very well, JJ, from last week. It was a comment uh, that started with us discussing cows, and then it did a little dialogue, a little script of an imagined version of what you would say. And I said something about cows, and then it said, JJ, colon, it said, I knew someone in Aberdeen who had a cow. <laughs> so it did, it's perfect. The number of times you do bring up something Is this on ChatGPT? No, no. no. What? I thought you meant, did you make up this, what? What are you talking about? No, I just had someone commented on the podcast last week. Oh. Riffing on the fact that regularly, whatever we talk about, you have some way of relating it back to Aberdeen. Well, you just talk about what you know, don't you? Aberdeen. Yeah, I'm fr- that's yeah. where I'm from. Yeah. Or ChatGPT, which is clearly just on your mind. It's the, f- I mean, have you used it yet? It's, <laughs> no. Uh, I, I use it all the time. I know. It's, it's become 40% of the content of your uh, it's topics of conversation. It is the very start of the future of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. AI is a both very exciting and incredibly. Uh, Do you like the film Her? I don't think I've seen Her. You should watch Her. her. If, you, if you're into Chat GPT, her? you should watch the film Her with Joaquin Phoenix. Scarlett Johansson plays Wacky an AI. Phoenix. Wacky Phoenix. Scarlett Johansson plays an AI. I assume this is some sort of comedy because no, Wacky no, Phoenix is <laughs> which is the other AI film with um, what's his name Isaac's in it. Jason, Jacob, Jason Isaacs. Jason Isaacs from Harry Potter. Is he in He Harry plays Potter? Malfoy's dad, doesn't he? Jason Isaacs. Yeah, I don't, no, know, what Jason, that, I don't know what that no. film is, though. The yeah. guy with the beard. Who's the guy with the beard who... Quite attractive dude. He was in um, the film. The guy with the beard. The attractive guy with the beard. <laughs> the, he, was in, he was in the... You're trying to get us to say You know the country music one? Oh, Bradley Cooper. No, the country music one with um, Carey Mulligan in it. The guy who looks like Adam Park, our, uh, our social... Operations. What the Elvis film? No, not Elvis. Who are you? T- okay, we have got. I work this out before we move on. Well, who are you talking about? Which country music film? 
is John saying, type Steve, and then he says nothing else. Yeah. Not Jason Isaacs. Our colleague Adam Park is handsome. I think that's what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. Not Jason so There's Isaacs. a long way around. Jason Segal. No. Is it a Jason? Um, <laughs> Kerry Mulligan. Kerry Mulligan, country, country music. music. The film is called... Oh, what, recently? The one about the... The guy who's trying to make it in the country music world and everything goes wrong for him. Mm. It is called Inside Lewin Davis. Oh, Inside Llewyn Davis. Who's he? Uh, he's Oscar Isaacs. Oscar Isaacs. Not Jason Isaacs. Yeah, you so can see where I got clarification. Oscar Wars. Isaacs, not in Harry Potter, but, but would have been but good. But fine beard. He's in Star Wars. Fine, fine beard. beard. Very attractive Attractive man. man. Yeah. And it's not country music, it's folk music. And if you'd said that, we all would have guessed that oh, film. Sorry. So that's very disappointing. Um, Why were you talking about him again? I can't remember. It looks like Adam Park. Oh, no, he, he was, in, a, a like he was in an AI film recently. Was he? Yes. Let's now and find out called... what that one was. <laughs> Oh, it was called uh, Ex Machina. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. So you knew all of this. I did. So yeah, this is on you, not me. You said Ex Machina. Well, yeah, obviously, if I'd have named <laughs> the film, it would have been fine. a strange path. Now, listen. Was he? I don't think he was in Ex Machina. He was. He, he was. Ex Machina, yeah. Steve, Isn't listen, mate. If you're going to interrupt the podcast, you better be, you better be coming at us with facts. Otherwise, you're going to get slapped back. 2015 Ex Machina. Terminator is an AI film. Terminator is an AI film, yeah. Mm. I mean, her, very different sort of AI film is to there both of these films. a killer cyborg robot in her? I, no. robot. I robot. I want to be watching. No, this is the thing, though, because it, 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 relative to your interest in chat GPT and its function and it's fulfillment. AI generally, that I mean. Too. Like, the point is, uh, you know, the Scarlett Johansson character is Joaquin Phoenix's AI. It's a new product in this kind of semi-futuristic world. And, uh, you know, she's a digital assistant, but she becomes much more than that over time. And it's about how the world changes and their relationship changes throughout the course of the film. It's an excellent, it's an excellent film. Very, very good film. It raises meta-level questions about... Why are you looking at me like that? You love chat GPT so boring compared to her. Watch her. <laughs> Watch her and then tell me it's not a good film. And don't you sigh at me when I talk about sci-fi. How dare you? You always coming in here talking about, talking about aliens and talking about how time isn't in one direction. And then you sigh at me when I say her's a good film. How dare you? Tell me instead about Moises Caicedo, though. Because he... Let's go through the timeline of Moises Caicedo. Very interesting now. Chelsea, a week or two ago, bid £55 million for Moises Caicedo, Moises Caicedo of Brighton. That was rejected without consideration, according to reports. Arsenal then bid £60 million, which you would assume would go the same way. To our surprise, Caicedo himself tweeted a statement thanking the club for all of their support, which, I mean, really seems key that he must be leaving because nobody else would do that in any other situation. But, of course, he's not leaving. Uh, Tony Bloom, the Brighton chair, uh, did not relent on that bid. And Arsenal bid £65 million since, which is reported by David Ornstein, has been rejected. It's kind of an odd uh, situation. It's not unclear whether uh, he thought he was going at that time or whether that was something to kind of apply pressure to, to Brighton. But, um, I mean, what, what the hell's going on there? Well, Arsenal want him. And they have yeah. bid money for him. Right, right. Did you not get some new agents recently? Maybe. Who are determined to get him a big move. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Sounds about right. And they're making some interesting decisions <laughs> in how they're going about that. It seems a little bit embarrassing to do that, though, to tweet your thanks. 
Well, they just go on like to force their hand, and they'll be like, he's, they're thinking that. I mean, this is not what I don't know what they're thinking, but the thinking might be if it were like a Laurel and Hardy movie or something. Like, go and just do it because then they'll have to let you go. Then they'll have to let you. Are you go. sure? Yeah. Yeah, I know it's not the same, but I feel a bit like it's like sort of maybe wanting to work at a different company and yeah. then tweeting your resignation <laughs> without without having a job offer. I mean, it's sort of... But it's different it's with footballers, same. isn't it? Of because course, of I guess the, 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 the point is is that the, uh, the, work, the, the worker in this instance has basically a power. unique uh, value that no one else can really recoup. So sure. I, I, I suppose if, if Caicedo wanted to, he could refuse to play and then you're in a bit of a, a, a pickle. But yeah. Brighton do have a history of being able to hold on to their players and get more value for them. I remember Ben White was on loan at Leeds for the season. They got promoted. Leeds tried to buy him in the summer and they pushed, I think they pushed all the way up to about 30, 35 million. Uh, Brighton refused and then sold Ben White the following summer to Arsenal for 50 million. So mm. Brighton obviously smart when it comes to making these sorts of decisions. So Why does everybody want him? Well, Moises Caicedo is considered a, gr- a good player due to his technical abilities Physical attributes and tactical understanding. He has a powerful shot and good dribbling skills. Where are you reading this from? Yeah, I asked ChatGPT why asked we want to buy more Additionally, his ability to read the game and make quick decisions in tight spaces make him an asset in midfield. That's not that's not my words. Further illustrating why you are not required here in your job. Well, I mean, I would use that and I would supplement it and make it more interesting. You'd put a joke in there. He's basically a very good player. I think when You'd say it in Sean Dyche's accent. But can't you tell ChatGTP to put a joke in there as well and it'll do it for you? The thing with Carcino is... Ask it to put a joke in there and in that now. It can't do jokes. You can ask it to do right stuff in the style of like Norm MacDonald and that and it can't do that. Anyway... Caicedo yeah. uh, is a very good player, but he's <laughs> good at lots of things, not exceptional at any. Yeah. A, like He's a really, just a decent player, and I think they're really important at high-level teams that you have players who can cover a few different positions, whatever. Yeah. He's just a good, solid player. Uh, has a good engine on him. He's d- determined, clearly. He wants to, he's very ambitious, by the, judging by what he's trying to do this window. Uh, and that's a good thing to have as a character for your player. But like you saw yeah. him in the World Cup, decent, can play as a six or an eight. Um, a couple of different positions he'd be very useful for Arsenal either as uh, cover for the 6 or 8 position or just replacing one of them at some point yeah, like, yeah. okay fine well you mentioned already John Brighton uh, and uh, you know good track record of selling their players Brighton sales in 22-23 this season so far Mark Kukurea 65 uh, and a half million euros Yves Basuma, of course, for 30 million euros. Leandro Trossard has just gone to Arsenal for 24 million euros. Neil Mope went for 12 to Everton. Um, and obviously last summer, Ben White for 60, Dan Byrne for 15. It's a lot of cash. Yeah, they, they know what they're doing. Um, and I think the reason why they're able to make so much value is because they have a very interesting model, which uh, I like to call a loan a buy-to-loan model. So they bring in players before they've peaked in value, and then they send them off on loan somewhere to help them develop, yeah. which is obviously like a, a, a risk management strategy because I suppose if they don't work out, then you're going to lose a little bit of money. But the idea being that w- the ones that work out are, are going to cover your losses elsewhere. Mm. Um, and the examples of players who that's worked for uh, includes McAllister, um, Alexis McAllister, who was a World Cup winner. They brought, brought him in from a team in Argentina called Argentinos. They sent him back on loan for the second half of the season when they'd bought him uh, and and then they sent him on the following season on loan to I want to say Boca Juniors, it might be River Plate. Mm-hmm. Steve will sort that out. Won't he? One or the other, yeah, it'll be fine. Um, it was, so it was about a year and a half before he ever played for Brighton, and 
yeah, they they monitor their their, their loan players very carefully. Yeah. Um, they used to have Mike Weir as their loans manager, but I don't think he is anymore. I think he's their director of football now that yes. Dan Ashworth has gone. Um, but they take their loan system very seriously. Other players, uh, Karen Matoma, who everyone's talking about at the moment, was sent on loan, I believe, to Belgium. Just thinking of other players. Dan Byrne as well was, um, I think, loaned out immediately when he came in, um, when they brought him in as well. David Weir, not David, Mike Weir. Not Mike Weir. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Okay. No, that's fine. This is this is interesting uh, for two reasons. One, uh, uh, firstly, um, when you say I like to call it the, lo- the buy to loan, <laughs> it makes it sound like you've come up with that. Are you saying that's yours patented? Or are you saying you just like to, like, so it would be the same as me saying like, when I go to the toilet, I like to call it the toilet. Uh, <laughs> is it the same as that? Uh, I it was more two years ago. Question. Two oh. years ago, mm-hmm. I wrote an article with Josh Hobbs at Analytics FC, mm-hmm. and we we coined the phrase there. But I'm sure someone else has Did used you really? it. Did you really? We wrote it. Yeah, and called it. You the, and here now with this audience, you claim the coinage of that. Sure. So. I mean, I'm, the, when it comes to these sorts of things, obviously it's not a particularly groundbreaking term, is it? Right. Um, so I'm happy to be proven wrong on this one. You, what you're saying is you'd prefer if everyone in the industry called it the McKenzie when you buy a player and loan them out. That's what they should. Yeah, be that's that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. What would you if there was a bull? If they're doing the bull on that one, what would you like that to be? It's a dance like the monkey. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <fine. laughs> doing the bull. Well, let's talk more about transfers now because um, bit of a, a bit of a kind of watershed window in some ways or a bit of an interesting time, John. Lower level Premier League teams buying lots of risky players for lots of money in, in a way that maybe wouldn't have happened uh, uh, in the years gone by. Yeah, there's something interesting, I think, happening at the lower levels of the Premier League, which is... We've already talked about how Brighton are, are buying players and then loaning them back to their teams um, or, or loaning them to other teams at a different level to then enhance their development. But we've seen a few players be bought directly from risky markets, I'd say. Mm. So uh, Victor Christiansen was just been signed by Leicester for, I think, £17 million pounds or euros. Um, that makes him the most expensive signing from Denmark ever. Right. Um, and usually I think that he would have gone via a stepping stone country, so probably like somewhere like Belgium. Yeah. Um Leicester have gone straight in for him, so they're cutting out the, the middle middleman, I suppose, getting the getting the um the heads up on it. And I suppose the benefit to them is that, you know, if he does well in Belgium and then they buy him, they're probably spending thirty million on him. So they are saving some kind of money, but there's a little bit more risk attached. Um and there's just been a few other players signed this window by teams in that of that ilk. Um, that have risk attached. So John Duran being signed from MLS mm-hmm. um, has has had a, a decent season there, uh, but being brought into Villa could be considered kind of risky. And then Danilo going to Nottingham Forest from Palmeiras in, in Brazil. Yeah. The, because of the Brexit regulations on work permits for footballers, the, the market's changed a lot because there's certain it, it's a points-based system now. And depending on where you are, it's easier or harder to get points. And Brazil is one yeah. of those places where it's much easier to get points because the Copa Libertadores uh, and the Copa Sudamericana are now counted quite high in terms of the points that you can accrue. Yes. So you, there's a lot of players in South America now who are, say you're playing at the best team in Bolivia and they get into the Libertadores and you play all the minutes for them. You, you qualify. Can, you can qualify. So those players, I think, would previously have been, um, would have been much harder to get um, okay. and previous work permit. Um, system so yeah Danilo from from Brazil coming from Palmeiras straight to 
Nottingham Forest. And I think that's that's going to be the thing now, is, is our Premier League's now going to try and cut, like find value simply by taking risks and buying players early and hoping that they, they can save the, the money on those in that way rather than waiting for them to go via, particularly via Portugal or Spain, which is what um, South American players tend to do. Well, there's another element to this as well, isn't there, speaking of saving money. Uh, UEFA, uh, I believe, in the summer... Um, I've got a cap contract length of five years for everywhere, which I guess is probably a reaction to what's just happened at Chelsea, right? Yeah, and we, we talked about this last week, um, Mikhailo Mudrik giving, given an eight-and-a-half-year contract, I think, um, which is against UEFA laws in principle, apart from there's a, there's a loophole which said, um, depending on the country's own rules, mm. and the UK doesn't have any rules on that. So um, Mikhailo Mudrik was able to be signed for an eight-and-a-half-year contract. But, um, yeah, UEFA now making that a hard and fast rule that you can't you can't sign anyone over five-year contracts. Mm. And to be honest, I think that's a good rule. I think that's sure. workers' rights principles in play there, which is good. I agree. Um, but I wonder if it will mean that anyone tries to squeeze through any more signings before the end of the January transfer. I mean, we're talking about this on Monday. I believe deadline day is tomorrow, Tuesday. Mm which is the day of release for this podcast. So we may well have seen some more. Um, but let's move on. One more thing before we finish for today's podcast. A little segue to Serie A, John, where AC Milan, a bit of a crisis. They lost 4-0 to Lazio uh, a couple of weekends ago, which, you know, Lazio, I think, placed just one place behind them in, in Serie A. So not devastating in terms of the difference between those teams, but nobody wants to lose 4-0 to a, to a nearby rival. Having said that, they just lost 5-2 to Sassuolo. And Sassuolo are a tiny team that come from a place where 30 people live in the village, right? I mean, not that, but obviously... I don't know the population of Sassuolo, <laughs> if that's what you're asking it's me. It's small, and they're a relegation contender who, you know, it's kind of a miracle that they're in Serie A in the first place. To ship five goals to a relegation candidate, what the hell's going on at Milan? Yeah, it's it's really funny how quickly things change, because I think if you remember back to the first match day after the World Cup break in Serie A, Napoli were top of the table by a, a chunk of points. Mm. They lost their opening game back against Inter, uh, and and Milan won 2-1 against Salernitana. At that point, it looks like there's going to be a, a title race. We fast forward to the present day, and Juventus, who had had a, a run of form, were docked 15 points, so they've dropped away, yeah. and... Um, yeah, if we look at the actual table, Milan had gone from being sort of comfortably second to now being outside of the Champions League spaces. Yeah. Uh, it is quite, quite quite close around there. But like Juventus have dropped out of that top four now because of that 15-point deduction. So in, in theory, that should have made their, their position in second place even more comfortable. But yeah. now Inter are there. There's Lazio, Atalanta um, ahead of them as well. Uh, and, and Jose Mourinho's Roma as well are, are playing quite well at the moment too. So yeah, Milan have... have seemingly fallen off a bit of a cliff um i think you could argue that this sort of thing was would, was maybe going to happen because they are a team who are particularly reliant on individual players in possession and they're also a, a, um, an out of possession focused team so they mm. get a lot from being quite intense um in terms of their pressing um but yeah they've dropped off in a big way and it, you, you're thinking i think the next game they have is the it's the um milan derby coming up so they'll be playing inter oh. who are in second place if, yeah. if inter win that which and, and they're obviously the form team compared to to Milan. Then um, you know the the gap between the the top and, and Milan is gone. And then I think Milan have got Spurs in in the Champions League as yes. well. So coming up, okay, yeah, the, the club crisis derby, Ooh. I suppose. Well, a clarification. Uh, I said that Sassuolo were a relegation team. Currently, they're actually on twenty points in sixteenth place in relegation spots in Serie A. Hellas Verona are on twelve. 
Sampdoria on nine, and then a team I've never heard the name of, but I think you'll enjoy this, JJ. Cremonese. Huh? Cremonese. They are bottom of Serie A with, with eight points. So Sassuolo, not quite as bad as I made them out to Well, be. if they hadn't beaten Milan, as you might have expected them not to, they'd be on 17 points, five points off relegation. That's so. true. And they would also be in 17th place. Just no, that, above that the is, relegation zone. So that don't is beat yourself true. up too much. I won't beat Jay. myself up that hard. No. But, you know, you want to get these things right as a perfectionist. You want, as someone who only intends ever to say things that have value and are accurate, you want to get these things I've right. I've said a lot of things wrong on this podcast. So that's true. And last that week, that thing you said about Casemiro was wrong, wasn't it? Or at least that's what everyone said when they commented afterwards. I can't remember if that was, if it was wrong or if it was just the people that said mm. it was wrong. But, you know. Should <laughs> we just stop? Can we just go now? Can we go now? <laughs> That's the end of the TFO Football Podcast. Thank you for joining us this week to uh, JJ uh, Bull the Bullet. Yes. And to uh, uh, John McKenzie. I forgot your name then for a second. How about that? Thanks, Joe. You're very welcome. A couple of, couple of Sean Dice. It's quite good. Is that good? It? Yeah. Do you think yeah. it was you good? John, do some more Sean Dice. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Shall I open chat GPT and see what it says? <laughs> I think you should, Sean, yeah. <laughs> I think if we did put into um, ChatGPT, oh, no, I need to find it. No, I've lost A song it, lost it. in the style of Sean Dodge. I'm from South Africa now. <laughs> Sean Dodge is now from South Africa. I like to do that accent as well. Yeah, okay, fine. Well, there we go. Ah! <laughs> wasn't it? That wasn't even intended. That's right, no, Joe. Yeah, that is a noise you make when you finished a podcast. So. <laughs> Steve Hankey, uh, Mr. Hankles, let's hear your Sean Dodge as a goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> wow, that's that's Bane, isn't it? Bane from Bat- Batman. Yeah, that's thing, Sean yeah. Dice when he enters the nether dimension. <laughs> Sean Dice was nearly born in the gravel pit. <laughs> but what can you say? And uh, Jamie, uh, the video man. Thanks, Jamie. There he goes. Big hand up from Jamie. We're fine. We'll be back next week with more. Oh, of course, Seb Stafford Blore. He's not here again. You know, is he even alive? We don't actually know. Could he be? What could we have done with him? For the doubt of listeners, Seb's very much alive. You know what I'm saying? If, if, let's just say, hypothetically, he'd been fired from the podcast or something, how long do you think we could keep it going that we just said he just wasn't here this week and people wouldn't ask? Well, do you know what we could do? do? Artificial intelligence is getting to a a point where it can learn what Seb might say in certain situations. (laughs) To be fair, yeah, Seb is quite a simple guy. And if we can just then use, like, deep fake stuff, right? Or just build a character based on what Seb looks like, based on his room he's in. Easy. Get we a, could get replace a him with a robot. We've got enough of us. All of us robots. A back yeah. catalogue. We can just clip all of the words he's ever said and just make it into a. That's true. Into his voice. Yeah. I mean, I don't think even the best artificial intelligence could replace the calming, soothing. Seb. Yeah. Right. I think it could. No. I think if you got a, if you I really got like, like it. A we just kept Seb. AI and you put it inside of a potato. It would be kind of the same. <laughs> Kind wow. of the same. I mean, yeah, but then that would, yeah. I mean, we, yeah. at the moment we're creating intelligence. That are is we? The, yeah, I mean, we have, so if we are in a simulation. <laughs> I, wouldn't descri- I wouldn't describe the last, very, That's the, the end of the TV football podcast. <laughs> we'll be back next week with more. Until then, bienvenue. <laughs> <laughs>
The Athletic.